0: Welcome to North Boston, Korean United Methodist Church. Here we are a family that seeks to love others the way Jesus loves us and raise people up in his love. We're grateful to have you listen in. Regardless of who you are, you are always welcome here. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com. I hope you guys are doing great. Um, <laughs> uh, we are, I have. I hope you guys are doing great. Um, we're finishing up our sermon series, our very short and brutal sermon series on Jonah. If you have not been tracking with us, or if you're joining for the first time in a long time, or whatever it may be, um, or maybe you zoned out for the past few weeks, I would highly recommend going back to our podcast that uh, Grace uploads every week, and listening to all of Jonah, because um, I've never seen a sermon series actually unravel people before, um, but it, it is, it's like, because, you know, we just did Romans right before this, so I thought I thought that would be the worst of it, but it seems that, you know, God always proves us wrong every time. So if you haven't been one, I just want to say, my disclaimer this week, I've been giving a lot of disclaimers through Romans. Last time I gave disclaimers before Romans was Isaiah, and now it's, actually I gave some through Acts, and then now it's it's through Jonah. This disclaimer is just very straightforward. I'm sorry um i'm just really sorry uh i just want to reaffirm the fact that the way that i preach is that i use god's word to get my main idea and um so i just want to remind you that jane doe is not god and god is not jane doe and so this is please don't hate the messenger I'm sorry in advance. Okay? So we're just going to I'm we're just going to go right into it. Jonah chapter 4. I don't have a main idea for it. Um you'll see why. Um but the title of this sermon, I'm just going to give it to you now, but it's it's God's response to anger. Okay? It's God's response to anger. Another alternate title could be God's response to unforgiveness. Um god's response (laughs) don't look i'm so sorry i'm so sorry everybody um yes so i'm just gonna read this jonah comes after obadiah before the book of micah it's in the old testament it's one of the minor prophets okay we're just going to (laughs) sorry the people and the people that are here right now they're reacting and i i feel so bad anyways we're just gonna read this Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. We are reading from our respective places, but please, uh, this is God's holy and perfect word. So uh, let's give it all the due reverence that it deserves. Um, Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Note the but, so if you don't know what's going on in Jonah chapter 3, like skim through it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he could see, till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in praying together? I pray that you would take your people to the next level with you. I pray, God, that I pray for every single room right now that every single member of our ministry inhabits. Father God, I pray that your Spirit would fall, that they would be re- that they would realize and become aware of the presence of God in the rooms that they inhabit. Father, that they would listen. Lord, we pray for clarity. We pray for a silencing of any and all distractions that are not of you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would take us to the next level with you. Abba, I don't want to preach this sermon, but here I stand obedient to you. Mm -hmm. So be magnified, God. Hide me behind your cross that your people would not hear me, but that they would hear you, that they would draw near to you again. I pray for a softening of hearts and minds. We are prideful, Lord. Our necks are stiff with our own desires, with our own plans for ourselves, with an unwillingness to learn. Abba, humble us. Soften us, God. Help us to take Jonah's lesson in for ourselves without having to learn on On our own. We love you, God. Challenge your people, Father, and I pray that the challenges and the convictions that people receive would turn into commitments Mm -hmm. to live out a life that is pleasing to you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're just gonna jump right in. I have no main idea the title of this sermon like I said is God's response to anger. An alternative an alternative title is God's re- re- response to unforgiveness. So the first sorry, the first God, the first four verses Before I do that, I just want us to think about okay, I'm just going to do it. We're just going to rip it off. We're just going to rip off this band-aid, y'all. We just got to do it. We got to learn. We got to learn to get our hearts right before God, even if it's painful, because that is what will ultimately bring, that is what will bring us most joy um, to be aligned to him. So I'm just going to ask you a question straight up, first and foremost, so that y'all don't miss this sermon. And and if y'all aren't paying attention right now, this is the time to pay attention, okay? I'm going to ask you a question. Who in your life, do you have the most amount of unforgiveness towards? Who in your life do you have the most amount of unforgiveness towards? For some of us, it might be friends, siblings. For some of us, it's the very parents that failed to be there for us. For some of us, it's relatives. For some of us, it's God. Who do you have the most anger and unforgiveness towards? Do you struggle? with anger. Do you struggle with anger towards people, towards God? Where do you struggle with anger the most? For me, it's my parents, it's my mother. I have a hard time controlling my anger with her. Um, It's just the side effects of, you know, she was my, she was, we were enemies and now we are best friends, but I still get pissed at her all the time. It's bad. But for me, I think the person that I get angry towards the most often actually is God. Uh, And so Jonah is no different from us. And so if that's you. If you are struggling with some level of unforgiveness in your heart towards a friend, towards a sibling, towards a parent, I would say, listen in. This is one of the only instances in the Bible where God teaches us a lesson on unforgiveness and anger. Because on the flip side of unforgiveness and anger, it's an issue of grace and mercy. And we have received grace and mercy. So when we are able, we are not able to forgive, it impacts our faith. The first four verses says but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. This the NIV Speaks of Jonah's great displeasure and great anger. Obviously, so does the ESV. But the literal translation in the original language is, "It was evil to Jonah with great evil." So this, this, this chapter. I mean, we've been talking about we've been talking about Jonah one, two, and three, and we were talking about how the evil of Nineveh, right, was raw, but it was different from the Noahic of the time of Noah. Their evil. Right. And we were talking about how, you know, last week we were talking about how Nineveh reacted to God's mercy, how how Nineveh reacted with repentance and said, who knows, maybe God would relent. And that that word is the same word as in Genesis chapter nine, I think Uh, it's either six or nine, where God says that he was grieved that he had made man when he saw the sin on the earth. And the word grief, that he was sorry he made man, is the same word as who knows, maybe God will relent, be sorry about his judgment. And God does relent. God does show Nineveh mercy, right? And so we see here this play on words already, but this chapter really zeroes in on the word evil, okay? So the word evil in in the Hebrew, ra. Um, it actually means both evil and it means calamity or trouble. And so we'll see God using this word to do like a double entendre, kind of like a play on words, so to speak. And so this is saying here, Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. But the literal translation is, it was evil to Jonah with great evil. It's a play on words between wickedness and disaster. And the word that described the, evil people of Nineveh is now used to describe the prophet of God and we see here what is more evil what is more contrary to the Lord hatred or outward sin and there's a very interesting tension here between the sin of the heart and the sin of practice and so the word evil gets turned on Jonah. Jonah literally hated what God had done. Why? Some say it was nationalism because Nineveh was such a terrible people to Israel. Nineveh had done such barbaric, dehumanizing, incredibly disgusting acts. They were gro- It was gross flaying people f- like, like flaying people's skin, hanging people's entire skin after killing them in very gruesome, really disgusting ways to die, okay? They used these kinds of barbaric acts of terror as fear, as a, as a weapon of fear, right? Uh, to to scare their enemies or their adversaries. And that's, that's what Nineveh is known for. Um, and so some say that it's nationalism, right? Some say that it's because Jonah knew that Nineveh would be the downfall of Israel. Some people say that Jonah was angry that he hated what God had done because he didn't want to be a lying prophet because he had said, if you remember last week, I made a distinction between a prediction and a prophecy. And even though God's will was to help Nineveh to repent, Jonah didn't necessarily want that to happen. So he explained God's will in this sort of way, in this kind of crooked where he, where he said, in 40 days, Nineveh will fall without being like, repent, Right? There was no aspect of repentance. And so we see here that Jonah was trying to predict, and it might be that Jonah didn't want to be proven wrong. He didn't want his reputation to be at stake. Some say that maybe Jonah hoped that God would save Israel instead. You know, if you're gonna show Nineveh this much mercy, what about Israel? Why not to Israel? Either way, whether it's nationalism, whether it's because Jonah knew that Nineveh would be the downfall for Israel, whether it's because of his personal reputation that was at stake, whether it's because he had hoped that God would save Israel, either way, Jonah's loyalty and his idolatry shows here. It's clear that he did not learn his lesson from the prayer of the pit. He was able to be in the belly to pray this prayer of thanksgiving. We thought that he fixed his loyalty. We thought that he fixed his nationalism. But when you see here that Jonah legitimately, in the language, it's literally that he hated God's mercy for these people that Jonah could not forgive, that Jonah was angry at. We see here that Jonah did not learn. He did not learn. So either way, Jonah's loyalty still shows here. He places the honor of the people of Israel, or his own honor, above the honor of God. For the benefit of Israel, he seeks the honor of the Son and not the honor of the Father. I was reading a commentary, and it said, at the very worst, we see a prophet with a shocking disregard for human life and bitter hatred towards those who had experienced mercy. At the very best, he was a prophet who misunderstood God's mercy and had a limited view of God's plan for the redemption of his own people. So it reminds me, like, I had a conversation in college. So I, I, um... In college, amongst the many the many leadership positions I had in, in our college ministry, one of the things I did was I cared for a lot of the people outside of my own ministry. I did something called Interfellowship, where I was walking with all the leaders um, for all the Christian groups on campus. And a couple of girls that I had really gotten close to was uh, gospel choirs president and vice president. To this day, we still keep up. Y'all have seen Dana on my stories. Like... She's always gassing me up. She, my main hype woman, right, from back home, her and my friend, they're my two main hype women. I always repost them. Um, But yeah, she was the president of, of gospel choir at the time that I had been there. And they lived with two girls who were, oh no, they lived with, yeah, two girls, one of them. She was actually, she was lesbian, okay. Um, so she was a part of the LGBTQ community and her girlfriend was there and I was there and the five of us, we were just sitting around actually, uh, watching the TV and talking. And, um, it was my senior year or my, no, my junior year. And it was when Trump was first gaining traction. This is like right before Trump launches into his campaign. And we had this long and lengthy conversation where this, this couple, these the this girl and her girlfriend, um, <clears throat> they hated Trump, right? They hated him because of how Trump was dehumanizing to them. They hated him because of what he had said and they genuinely thought he was better than them. Or they were better than him. And we, it was a conversation about ethics, it was a conversation about justice, but I was basically going back and forth with this couple, right? Um, who gives, you know, they give my friends, they gave my friends a lot of trouble. I'm not going to go into, that's my friend's story. Um, but just this couple in particular, uh, they didn't believe in God, right? They didn't believe in God. But this conversation led us to talk about God pretty seriously because I was making the point that while Trump is a, he, what he's saying is terrible, that we are no better than him that we are no better and we so we we went back and forth. They were like, why are you saying that? We are better than him. I hate him. We are better than him. I was like, no, we're not any better than him. We're not any better than Trump. We're not any better than Hitler. We're not any better than either of these people. We can't assume that we are all of a sudden morally better than anybody. And then that, they were like, why are you saying this? And I was like, well, because of my faith. And so we were going back and forth. I was a law student at the time. Um, but I remembered that, I just remembered their anger. And they were really greatly challenged because I shared their anger. At the time I was a, really into social justice. I was really angry um, at the things that he was saying about women and about people of color. And I didn't, I didn't know how to handle. Uh, what was going on in in our politics. Um, And I was younger and I was, you know, hot-blooded. But at the end of the day, the fact that I was not willing to say that I was better than this man, it really challenged them. As non-believers, it still really challenged them. And that's what led us to talk about God more seriously that day. Um, And it's a hard, it's a hard line because In today's culture, between cancel culture and virtue signaling, there's no way of, it's just clear that the more, for whatever reason for this generation, the more you post justice oriented things, the better of a person you are. The more you're calling out other people that are followers. I see people say things like this all the time. If you don't agree with what I'm saying, unfollow me. Um, that's That's not helpful. That's divisive. It's learning to at least stay in a relationship with people that don't agree with you. That is one of the most challenging things and one of the most important things to do for the sake of unity in the body of Christ, right? But it's really difficult when you see somebody do something evil or when somebody harms you, when somebody hurts you, it's really difficult to see you and the person, that person as the same for most of my life. Not that I viewed my mother to be inferior to me, um, but I didn't take anything that she said seriously because there was so much pain and hurt in my life just because of this one woman that I refused to take in anything that she would say. And I don't know if it was because I thought I was superior to her. That A lot of that has been fixed, but it—I I not don't, I don't know. I honestly can't tell, but there's something to be said about the fact that when we experience pain, Right? when we experience certain things it's easy to feel like that person like we don't want to stoop to that person's level right um and we some like a coping mechanism of the pain that we've experienced is to knock people lower than ourselves um and we see jonah doing this we see jonah doing this you might be asking jane though they are evil though doesn't jonah have the right Like, he experienced trauma from these people. These people were evil to his people, to his family and his friends. Like, doesn't doesn't he still have the right to be angry? At the same time, though, as a prophet of God, it is sad to see him place limits on the same grace that saved him. This is going to be one of the most difficult things you'll ever hear coming out of my mouth, because I suck at it too, okay? I don't know why I'm preaching this right now. Because I am not, my life is not the picture of graciousness, okay? Um, I'm a girl from the, you know, I come from inner city Queens, all right? You cross me, okay? And my initial reaction, even if I'm a pastor right now, is still to throw hands. You know? Like if somebody crosses me, the first thing I'm going to say is, yo, stay in your lane. You don't know me like that. Stay in your lane, right? I'm not the most forgiving person, the most merciful person in the world either. Okay, And so I'm not saying this from a place of like, oh, you need to do that. Um, But this is something we have to wrestle with. Because it is sad to see a prophet of God, before he is a prophet, a son of God, a child of God, place limits on the same grace that saved him. And it makes us question, what do we put above God that is noble? Family? Honor? Money? Maybe respect? What do we put above God? That is noble. Maybe we think we know better than God. God, I know you told me to forgive, but I don't know if that's the right thing that I can do right now. But maybe some of us are like, you know, God, I can't do it. You know, I'm not perfect, so I can't do it. But at the same time, God is calling you to it. You saying, I can't do it, you're implicitly saying, when you just reject. The idea of mercy and forgiveness to somebody that is that has hurt you, when you just off the bat reject it, it speaks a lot to the lack of healing that you've obviously gone through. And I think the first thing to address is the hurt um, and how God loves and her- loves you and covers that hurt and pain that you're experiencing. But on the other end of that, if you're flat out rejecting unforgiveness, you are implicitly saying, I know better than you do, God about my limits about what I should and should not be doing when you flat out reject god without at least wrestling with it okay you are implicitly saying i know myself better than you lord i know what i can do better than you god and we say that all the time like you don't know me we say that to each other all the time you know when it, when push comes to shove somebody says something to you somebody gives you a conviction that is prickly you're like yo i can't do that But you have to realize that you can't say that to God. I mean, you might get away with it because God shows you mercy. But you can't actually say that to God. If there's any person in the world that you need to humble yourself in front of, that you need to literally cut it out. Two, it's God. He created you. Are you for real? For real? you really going to talk like that to God? Like, it doesn't make any sense. He knows you better than you know yourself. Why would he ask you to do something that is impossible for you if it wasn't good for you? Another thing is we see Jonah's failure to recognize God's plan. And this is... We are, what, 20, we are 25 minutes in to the sermon, okay? Here's a, a big word, okay? When you fail to recognize God's plan, you miss the joy of his situation. When you fail to recognize God's plan for your life and you see all the situations in your life based on your own plan, you fail, you miss the joy over the situation. Jonah failed to have joy because he was unwilling to recognize that God was at work. Jonah missed what God was doing, and so it made him unhappy. You put it, you make it, you say it a little bit easier. When you miss out, when you intentionally look away, when you intentionally put your plan above God's plan, you might find yourself. Missing out on his joy as well, Scripture says the joy of the Lord is our strength. But see, when you put yourself above God, you are missing out on that strength. You are missing out on that joy. And we see that in Jonah. He proceeds to be a he proceeds to throw a temper tantrum. This guy be, gets reduced to a kid here. Um, we see the selfishness of Jonah, and so this is something that we have to understand. The first thing is that we, we I want to invite us to admit that when there is unforgiveness, it does have to do with some level of selfishness. But Jane, this person is not somebody that I can forgive. Sure. But you have to prioritize your own views above God's in order to come to that conclusion. This person has done you wrong. This person is not a good person. No one is. You need to heal. You need to get better from all that you've experienced and encountered from this person, sure. Whatever situation that this person is in, they cross the line and you can't forgive them, sure, right? But when you, like, everything that this person has done to you and that you've experienced, that's all valid okay, your feelings are valid. However, when you cross territory into I can't forgive them, ever, we have to remember we're not in a position to say those kinds of words. Those are fighting words to God. And if we can't say those words What does that mean about the trajectory of God's plan? We must acknowledge. We have received grace and mercy. Total unforgiveness might not be an option. You just have to cross that out. And that might make you angry. And so we see Jonah's anger. He's unwilling to forgive God for showing mercy on these people. And so we see God's reaction here. The first thing I love, I broke it down, okay? I broke it down. God's reaction. I broke it down into four things. The probing question, the object lesson, the question turned rebuke, and the mercy of God. Those are the four stages of God's reaction. The first thing is the probing question. Number one is the probing question. And this is the probing question. That maybe y'all should write, frame it. I'm thinking about making a poster out of it. Actually, I don't know if I can handle that. Um, Maybe it'll be my, I don't know. Okay, so this probing question, it's very simple. Have you any right to be angry? And it's not God giving a rhetorical question. It's not God using dry humor, like implying that you have a right or you don't have a right. It's a genuine question, an honest question. Do you have a right to be angry? Do you feel like you have a right to be angry? Jonah was asked if it was right or justifiable, literally good. Jonah was asked if it was good for him to be angry. The word for anger here means to burn. And guess what Jonah's reaction to that question is? He dead left the city. God goes, do you have any right to be angry? And Jonah goes, I'm not talking to you, like legitimately. (laughs) If there are people here that would run away rather than confront the situation, that is Jonah. When confronted with God's question, he walks out. He dead, does not know how to answer it. He doesn't want to face it. He doesn't want to deal with it. So what he does is he walks out. He walks out. He walks out. I'm sorry. Don't look at me. I'm not. I can't help it that Jonah has the same. He is the, re, that, not the same reaction. Anyway, so Jonah's reaction is to walk out. He's like, all right, peace. And he goes. Okay, so if y'all have ever peaced out of difficult questions. This is for you. Jonah walked out. Okay, he walked out, he goes east of the city and he makes for himself a little booth so he can see the city from up. He sees the city, I am so sorry. Another disclaimer, I'm sorry. So he sits on, he sits atop the city and he looks in. Okay, he looks into the city and this is so interesting. Jonah is petty, okay? So if we've ever been petty here before, Alright, we I I just I really I really enjoy how relatable Jonah is, you know? Uh, Jonah is real petty here. So he P he goes, alright, question I've I've understood the question. I I've heard it. Peace out. He goes outside east of the city. He sits atop a, uh atop the um on the side where on the side that's of higher elevation than the rest of the city, so he can look into the city and he's just watching like from his little movie booth outside of Nineveh, waiting for Nineveh to screw up. Waiting for Nineveh to screw up. (laughs) Without using any words, his very attitude was a defiant reply. We shall see whether or not my anger is justifiable. It is petty. Jonah here is petty. You know why? Because he hates the fact that they received mercy not and that he has good reason for it that's what guys jonah has good reason to be angry here and we have all been in his shoes before or we might be in his shoes in the future we're like god are you serious what about me how are you gonna this person was terrible to me god god's like do you have any right and you're like okay peace right he's like we'll see if i have a right to be angry okay we'll see if my anger is justifiable or not he dead sits in his little seat eating his popcorn waiting for nineveh to screw up that is some of the pettiest things i've ever read in scripture that's what jonah does here okay and then (laughs) earth amy you you good yeah she sorry she looked like she was dead just now, she looked like she was dead. So the, uh, the the second stage of God's reaction is the object lesson, okay? The object lesson. So this is the interesting part. So once Jonah is sitting atop his city, he's like, we'll see whether or not my anger is justifiable. Well, he starts eating his popcorn, okay? He makes a shade for himself. Granted, Mesopotamia, the, the, the average temperature is like 110 degrees. It's in the middle of the day, so it's hot. It's hot, okay? He's higher up, it's hot, okay? And so he makes a shade for himself. God creates this vine overnight to come above him. And it's Jonah, Jonah rejoices. So it's it's interesting. God creates a vine to go over and give Jonah more shade to ease his discomfort. The phrase to ease his discomfort literally translated is to deliver him from evil. And Jonah, he goes, "Oh my God, there's a vine over me now." He rejoices. I don't know about y'all. When I cuz I'm kind of I can be an ajumma sometimes. You know, ajumma is um for those of us who aren't Korean, ajumma is old middle-aged lady. Uh, so I can be a little. I don't know why I said that actually, uh, but I can I can be a bit of a grandma sometimes, and so I like to be in the shade, right? If it's if if it's hot and you know you're sweating and you're outside and all of a sudden a shade comes over, a nice breeze comes in, it makes you happy. But I, as much as it makes me happy, it's not gonna make. I'm not gonna rejoice. Yeah, the breeze. Holy moly, right? No, you're not. That's well. Uh, okay dramatic um but he rejoices over the vine why it's not just because the vine is great it's because jonah is rejoicing he was it says here he was the the literal translation is jonah rejoiced over the vine with a great rejoicing he was not just happy he was delirious he was overjoyed ecstatic right um and why It's because he saw in the miraculous growth of this vine an indication of God's favor. So he was like, oh God, you feel me though. Oh God, so you feel me though. So my anger is justified. Like you understand. I'm I'm not being unreasonable here. Okay, see, God sees me. See, I'm not wrong about this. Okay. And then... And this is why this second stage is the object lesson, because it's God's provision turned into a lesson, okay? Overnight, just as God prepared a whale, God prepares a worm. That worm eats into the vine, and the vine withers overnight. So this freaking plant lives and dies within a day, okay? And Jonah and then it gets really scorching hot, really scorching wind comes in, and Jonah is so dramatic. I relate, right? Um, he really feels, you know when you're in a lot of physical duress, like when your stomach is hurting, but it's piercing you, and you just all of a sudden, you feel like you're gonna die? Do you know what I'm saying? Or like you're working out, and you've just pushed yourself past your limit, and you're like, cu- like wheezing, and you're like, I'm, I'm going to die this is the moment that I'm going to pass into heaven, right? Sometimes when our physical body is under so much strain, it feels like we, we often might feel like, oh, I'm going to pass out, right? And Jonah gets to this point where he feels like he's going to die. But Jonah actually is more than that. Because this issue went even deeper than a lack of understanding about God's fairness. This verse, the way that Jonah reacts to the vine withering away, and uh, the, the sun coming in, and Jonah's like, I'm going to die. This, actually, this shows that Jonah is not just not understanding. It's deeper than that. Jonah is ab- absolutely frustrated with his life. This shows that Jonah is frustrated with his situation. Like, why me? He's frustrated at the fact that things aren't working according to plan. Having asked by God to consider the rightness of his anger, and then thinking for a brief time that perhaps his anger was vindicated, Jonah was then shown by the Lord that he was wrong. See, because Jonah failed to see God's plan. And not grasping the message of God's sovereignty and care, Jonah's depression deepened as he felt that his entire life had been wrong. And he wished to die because he failed as a prophet. This, I love this line, okay? This line comes from the right now, what I'm gonna say is a commentary says this about this image of Jonah wanting to give up and acting like this. This is not the picture of a mature disciple, but one who is ready to give up. And this is where I shut down, because I don't know about y'all, but I have felt this way before. So if, if, okay, pause, we all pause for a second. So if we get this reaction and and then this guy says, this is not the picture of a mature disciple, but one who is ready to give up." So we see here, what does this all mean? It's a lot of language. I don't know if you are at this point where you feel vulnerable. I feel vulnerable right now, Okay. (laughs) Maya is done with me, so I'm not, I'm actually not looking in her direction, Okay. Um, I don't know if y'all relate to Jonah as much as I relate to Jonah, but I relate to Jonah so much and I think what is clear about this reaction is that Jonah has missed the point, which means that we might have missed the point. When God teaches us lessons, but we miss the point, and we're like, I just want to give up. Take me now. <laughs> That's what Jonah did. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm with you, okay? Because I say this to myself once a week. Take me now, Lord. I can't do this anymore. You know, it it just, it's so easy. But we are missing the point. And what are we missing? The message of God's sovereignty and mercy. For whatever reason, God calls us into something and then, once God calls us into something, once God provides everything, maybe to get into the school that you wanted to go to, maybe to do the job that you wanted to get, maybe like once God calls you into something, he's prepared everything, all of a sudden you think you can do it on your own. All of a sudden, you think you can do it on your own. That's me too, you know? Like we, we run the risk of missing the point of God's sovereignty and mercy every day. As people who serve the church, as people in our vocations, as parents, as children. We miss the point, and that's why we put our unforgiveness over God's forgiveness. That's why we get angry at God's mercy, because we miss the point. For whatever reason, our metric of mercy and our metric of morality and our metric of virtue and our metric of how we should live our lives has now trumped God's metric in our own lives after God has provided for us to be here. And then now we find ourselves in the belly or now we find ourselves scorching We're drying, we're thirsty, we're being being scorched outside right now. We're learning our lesson from the Lord, not because God wants Jonah to suffer, or us to suffer, because he's teaching us something about his sovereignty, but we still miss the point. In the middle of learning lesson, instead of turning to the Lord and saying, your ways are higher than my ways, we look to our situation, we look to our circumstances, and we say, I would rather die, right? Maybe some of us would say that. This is all thong, (laughs) and I don't wanna be here no more. Why does this suck so much when God is trying to teach you something about himself? Remember, I said this last week, that the only reason why Jonah went through the belly is not because God wished that upon him, but it's because that was the only way Jonah would learn. This is not the picture of a mature disciple, but one who is ready to give up. The third part of this is God asks the question again, do you have any right to be angry about the plan? And Jonah talks back. He gets all sassy, OK? He says, yes, i do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Have you ever been in a situation where you're in a tough situation and you're like, God, I'm angry at you. <laughs> God's like, "Are you why aren't you talking to me?" Like, if you're if you're in a tough season, maybe you've been uprooted from your maybe you've maybe you've been uprooted from everything that you thought you would be doing. Maybe you're in a season where your family has wronged you or your friends have done something that's messed up or, or like your friends your friends have betrayed you or I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe you don't have somebody that you're that Unforgiving about, but the bitterness, the slight bitterness under every relationship, right? It doesn't have to be big anger. It could be small anger that piles. When you don't deal with that, when you don't deal, when you ignore that bitterness, it piles, okay? Maybe it's this like underlying bitterness towards everybody in your life, right? For not seeing you, understanding you, or whatever it may be, right? And then we look at God and we're like, God, why are you doing this? God's like and then we stop talking to God cuz we're angry. I don't know about y'all, but when I'm angry at God, I stop talking to him for a couple days. I'm like, God, I don't want to talk to you. God, this situation sucks. So, I'll talk to you tomorrow. I open up I open up my devotional just to close it cuz I know God is watching me. Like, God, I close that. Okay? Not today, okay? <laughs> some of us, we might get that way with God sometimes. And clearly, that is what Jonah is doing right here. So if that is you, you are called out. I apologize. I am called out. We are called out together. Um, so God asks the question again, and Jonah talks back. And then what's the fourth stage? If you're a parent, and you're trying to teach your child something, but your child gets pissed at you, and you say, why are you angry? And that child says, because I have every reason to be angry. What are you going to do? What are you gonna do? If you're a parent, what are you gonna do? When, as a child, what happened to you? I got whooped. That's the day I die. That's the day. I've never even tried to talk to my parents that way, no matter how angry at them I got. Because that, some of, some of us, we get away. If you, some of us, we get away with blistering anger towards our parents. I kind of get away with it, but you know, growing up, growing up though, it was a different story. Like if I really tried it, my mom would have ripped. She would have ripped my scalp off my head. Like she, I would be, I would be dragged down. It's not child abuse, it's just discipline. We're talking you know old school Korean style discipline all right I'll be dragged down I'll be dragged down a hallway. It's, it's goodbye Gigi you ain't seeing Jane for a week. Nope she's dropped off the face of the earth. you know why because she ran her mouth. okay wait we, we would not do that because the next the final stage of that is supposed to be discipline okay The final stage of this is supposed to be because if, if there's anything to learn from Jonah, it's that when we get like this we are not mature. We are missing the point. And so sometimes, when somebody's immature and missing the point, what are you going to do? You're going to whoop them, right? But you know what God's reaction is? Mercy. Mercy for Jonah, just as much as there was mercy for Nineveh. Mercy. And this is, this is the God that makes me cry. This is the God that makes me cry because it's worth doing something that is impossible for him. Some of you guys are like, I can't forgive him. I can't forgive this person. I can't do it. But here we see God created and nurtured Nineveh and extended to them the hand of mercy. God's wish for his creation, both Jonah and Nineveh, is salvation, not destruction. It's a lesson of unforgiveness and mercy. Jonah had grown completely indifferent to the fate of God's creation beyond the bounds of Israel. But God is in complete contrast to that. And this is why God is worth it. It's not just because of what he's done for us, guys. It's because of who he is. It's because of the person of God. He is worth it. I know you're like, Jane, you're talking about God as though he's your next door neighbor. He He is your next door neighbor as well. Jesus is literally alive in the flesh. How many times does scripture have to tell you that? God is an actual human. And, And God, he's... Fully human, fully God, and and God is a full being. Okay, He has His own thoughts. He has His own feelings. Okay, like God is real, and that God is worth it. But God, I can't, for, I can't forgive this person. But when you look at God's mercy in the face, when you really address the fact that God has always got you in His hands. When you really trust and believe for God's provision over your life, for God's calling over your life, and you actually take down that idolatry of your own metric of forgiveness, of your own metric of your calling, of your own metric of what you think you should be doing, and you put God in his proper place, and you genuinely believe for who he is, he's worth it. You might be like, I can't forgive this person but when you have experienced a mercy like this, it might be possible. You're like, I don't have space in my heart. Okay, then make space for God. God is not asking you to make space for the person that you can't forgive. God is not asking you to become Mahatma Gandhi, okay? And to lose all, like, connection with reality, not real, that's not what Gandhi did, not lose all connection with reality, but lose all connection with your feelings and all of a sudden become the most peaceful monk that you could ever imagine. That's not what God is asking of you. When you say, I have no space for forgiveness in my heart, what you're saying is, God, I have no space for you. God is asking for you to make space for him in your heart. Because when God has his space in your heart, you will be able, you will be able, You will be able to believe for his provision. You will be able to believe for a future of forgiveness. You will be able to show mercy to people that you would have never shown mercy to before. How do we apply this? Is there somebody God is teaching you to show mercy to? Do it, not for the person, but for God. Some of us are one forgiveness away from breakthrough. Somebody had to hear that, come on somebody. Some of us are one unforgiveness away from breakthrough. Some of us are one ounce of faith away from breakthrough. What do we put above God that is noble? What do we put above God that is good? But it ain't God. Maybe we think we know better than God about ourselves. But when you fail to recognize the joy of God's plan, you miss the joy of the situation. It makes you less happy. Is there somebody that God is teaching you to show mercy to? It's the question I asked in the beginning. Do it, not for the person, but for God. Some of us need to forgive ourselves, but don't use that to cop out. Don't be like, oh, the main person I need to forgive myself, and then use that to ignore the person you actually gotta forgive. Just show yourself the same forgiveness that you're willing to show others to. Because if you can't forgive that other person, you can't forgive yourself. If you can't forgive yourself, you can't forgive that other person. It takes healing. It takes the presence of God. Remember, in Jonah chapter 1 in the first two verses says that Jonah ran away not just from God's calling not just from what God was asking him to do not just from God's plan for Nineveh Jonah ran away from the presence of Yahweh are you making space for God in your heart or have you missed the point sometimes anger is justified most times as much as we have we have good reason to be angry God is calling us to something greater God is calling us to look at him not miss the point it takes humility sometimes it takes humility to let go of your anger Because sometimes we cling on to our anger because we think it is actually justified. And sometimes it takes humility to let that go. And maybe that is the one thing in your life that is keeping you from being in a deeper relationship with God right now. Anger does do that. Anger does quench the spirit. I'll ask you one more time. Is there somebody God is teaching you to show mercy to? if you feel even a slight pull, a slight bit of conviction about your wrestling with anger or your wrestling with unforgiveness or your wrestling with running away from God's questions, hard questions, your willingness to be more petty about it than actually face God's mercy, whatever it may be, if you feel any level of conviction, would you join me in praying right now? Let's pray. What do you want? Who, who is it that you need to show God's mercy to? Maybe some of us have not faced the calling on God, on our lives from God. Maybe some of us are not facing God. Maybe some of us are on that movie booth right now. God asks us a difficult question about this person that we have this hard time with that we, get, we are angry at and we've peaced out on God and we're sitting on top of that, that little mountain away from the city waiting for that person to mess up. Maybe some of us are trying to forgive but it's really difficult and we don't know how. The practical application is to make space for God. Whatever is going on in your heart, let's just take this moment to pray a couple minutes to be honest with God. You don't got to be honest with me. You don't got to be honest with anybody else. This is between you and the Lord. Face what you are convicted about. Take this moment to face it. Face it. I'm going to step away from the mic because this is between you and the Lord. Face where you are unforgiving. Let God's presence speak into your soul. Let him actually move. This thing that you're withholding from him let it go to him. Give it up. Just at least, even if it's hard to give it up, just let go of that tight grip you have over this unforgiveness and just open your hands towards God. Maybe the person that you're having the hardest time forgive is the Lord. Would we confront him right now? Do you feel misunderstood? Do you feel justified for feeling this way? Come to God. He is you constantly showing you his mercy and his grace let's take this moment to pray from wherever you are listening we hope you were blessed by this week's message for more information check out our website at mbkumc.com